Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Okay, so if you are listening to this on December 23rd, we are officially breathing down the neck of Christmas over here. This is the day I like to call Christmas Eve Eve. And the reason it needs a special title is because this was actually the date that my husband, Jason, proposed to me for score uh, in 2014. Um, You know what would be a fun podcast question? I think I should start asking my guests is how they got proposed to. I bet that would be like a lot of fun and bring some interesting stories to light. My proposal story is that we were getting ready to go on our annual trip to New Jersey where we go to visit Jason's family every year. And we were just having like a nice relaxing night before we were leaving the next day, making dinner. I was like sitting there. I think I was really grumpy for some reason, Um, but I was sitting there doing a crossword puzzle, which I still to this day have that that crossword puzzle, of course. Um, And I just turned around and suddenly my husband was there proposing to me. So of course, obviously, long story short, I said yes, and it was all just a fairy tale, happy ending from there. I mean, that is actually true. It is a very fairy tale um, marriage. So I still have that crossword puzzle. And guess what the title of it is? Super ironically, I feel like you won't even believe this. It's kind of crazy. The title of the crossword puzzle is called With This Ring. And I don't feel like either of us could have known that. Um, All right, but enough with the love stories today, though. I could go on and on and on, but this is not a podcast about love stories. Let's um, touch base on what I left you hanging on last week. If you listened to the podcast, you would hear that you, you would know that I was trying to decide whether or not I was going to speak in a British accent the entire holiday, since that's what I usually spend my holiday doing when we go visit Jason's family. But I did decide not to do that because I don't think he really likes it. And, you know, if there's one time that you should just like put your little nuisance, annoying side self, it's during Christmas. So this year I'm going to be on my best behavior and that, you know, I don't want a stocking of coal. So I have to be super extra nice. Um, For our little holiday this year, it's going to be kind of a weird one. And the other weird thing is it's on Friday. So it's like, do you work on Christmas? Do you not work on Christmas? Do you take the weekend off? I mean, I'm kidding, really. I know that I need to take some time off and I know most people are taking time off, but I do think I'm going to spend a little bit of it at least working on my business and doing a little bit of 2021 planning too, because you know what? Planning is so fun. I absolutely just love it. And I feel like I can't get enough of it. I actually just today, um, when I'm recording this, it's Saturday, December 19th. And I just took this amazing recalibration financial and strategy workshop with Liz LaJoy, who is a member of the, she built this VIP group. So what the workshop did was she really helped us like fine tune and have for the first time in place 
a financial roadmap for the year ahead rather than just like what I usually do, which is just wishing and hoping and praying and crossing my fingers that things turn out okay and then going for it. So what I want to know from you is how you go about your planning and mapping process for the upcoming year. And my second question for you is, do you, are you one of those people that has like a word for your new year? So, you know, I I know that I am this person because somebody asked me this the other day and I had to rack my brain a little bit, but I remembered that my words from last year were recalibration and growth. I, I hadn't even thought of one for 2021 because I'm like, well, why are we planning anymore at this point, you know? And the other thing is I usually break my month into themes and then like that's sort of my word. So I was like, do I want one for the whole year? But anyway, since recalibration and growth went so well last year, I think I'm going to have one for this coming year. And the one for the coming year is calm. And I really, really need that word to happen in my life. It sounds so nice and amazing. Um, and I know that's my choice. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called Indistractable. And it's so good. It has like so many truth bombs. And let me just tell you, I think distraction is the opposite of calm. And what I'm noticing is as I'm reading it this past week, I have not only realized like how utterly distractible I actually am, but also the distractions seem to be even more intense and noticeable than ever before. And I think it's because probably what I'm guessing, it's like that red car syndrome where when you have a red car, suddenly you see that everybody has a red car. So, you know, I think because I'm focusing my attention and energy on what I'm distracted by, I'm noticing it, what I, what I'm noticing what was happening already and I just wasn't paying attention to it before. So now the mission and the goal is to do something about it. So the coming year, the theme is, the word is calm. And I am just having a super, you know, it's going to be an interesting little balancing act here because I'm coupling these big goals that I want to set into motion with the concept of being calm. But I think it can be done. So this is what I want to say about goals. Um, One thing that I've noticed is that as much fun as it is to set them. And as much as I absolutely love planning and dreaming and doing all that stuff, it is even more fun. I'm feeling this super duper after today with this uh, financial recalibration inner circle. It is so much more fun to map out our goals when we do them together and to have like this group of people behind you who's cheering you on and reaching them. So, you know, in this financial circle that we did, we're all like now each other's champions and we don't want to let each other down when we all get back together and meet again to go over our first quarter in April. So this is like a very, you know, this is kind of the concept and the energy of what it feels like in the VIP group too. people that she built this VIP group, people are sharing their goals and their struggles and their dreams and their challenges and what they're working on. And then people come back with like resources and knowledge and the whole group is just there to like champion each other on. It's truly so amazing. They all want the best for each other and are helping one another grow. And it has just been a really beautiful thing so far. And I've done some loose math and pieced some things together and the group has already generated like 
tons of butts in each other in seats at each other's workshops and income for each other and more connections and less of a feeling of just doing it all alone in this entrepreneurial roller coaster journey. And to me, that is priceless. So I wanted to be sure to share all of these takeaways with you before we get to the end of the year, because if you have sort of been like peeking your head in and wondering what the VIP group is all about, I want to give you an opportunity to get in on it now because the price is actually going up in 2021 to $350 a year. And I want to offer you the invitation to get in on it while it's $100 less than that. So if you decide that this is for you and you want to take your seat before January 1st, 2021, 2021, um, you will be a founding member and your price of 250 a year gives you all the perks that there are now and there are a ton. And then in the future, without your cost ever going up, you get to remain a founding member. So I think that is a pretty darn good reward for being a founding member. And there are also some new perks and benefits I just added in this month. Um, one of which is a member landing page. So this is incredibly beneficial for those who maybe don't have a website or they work for a company and you know it's like a bank or a financial planning institute and they don't have something that is specifically about them. It's also really helpful because if you're on a podcast or you're featured on press or something like that, you don't need to run around trying to get everything all pulled together in one place. This landing page can be that place for you. So it's also an opportunity for members to get to know other members more in depth and about what they're offering. And I'm really, really excited for that perk. And we're also going to be, I put in all the um, planning for the year in place, and we're going to be having a monthly workshop, which will be focused around each month's theme with guest experts coming in on those. And then last but not least, um, and these are just a couple of the perks, but we're going to be bringing the peer groups to the VIP group for a place for extra accountability and ongoing support. And that's in a more intimate and um, face-to-face via Zoom setting. So if you have been wondering about the VIP group and wondering and thinking about whether or not it's for you, just go to shebuiltthis.org and get yourself a seat as a founding member. We would love to have you as part of the growing community. In fact, I think it was, no, I am sure it was, um, the She Built This community that introduced me to today's guest. Thanks to Aaron Newhart, I was introduced to Julie Eason of Thanet House Publishing. And for those of you who have writing a book on your goals list this year or in your very near future, you definitely are going to want to hear this episode because we talk about how a book can help you to grow your business, how to get started writing and actually finish writing, and also how to use brain chemistry so people get addicted to your message, products, or services. It's a super fun interview, and I think you're really going to like Julie and everything that she has to offer, especially if you are interested in getting that book published. Just a little background on Julie. She helps business people write and publish 
world-changing books that inspire, educate, and sell. She's an author, speaker, and CEO of Thanet House Books, a boutique boutique that is a hard word to say boutique book development company that helps people through the entire process from project strategy through writing publishing and distribution she's ghostwritten multi-million dollar books for senior leaders and founders in a wide variety of industries including new york times wall street journal and usa today bestsellers her passion is helping mission-driven businesses change the world through the written word. And you can find out more about Julianne at thanathousebooks.com. Hi, Julie, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. How are you doing today? I'm so happy, Emily. and I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. And I love your answer. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I love that Julie answers not just like, oh, fine, I'm good. I'm, you know, (laughs) or busy. That's actually the most common answer to how are you? Um, But I love that you say that you're happy because as a listener, I can't help but smile the second that you say that. Thanks. It's, it's a it's a nice pattern interrupt. It, it snaps people out of their day, especially try it at the grocery store. Like it freaks the cashiers out when you say you're happy and it just they automatically smile and they're like, oh, that's so nice. And it's just it's a really nice way to to kind of wake people up and snap them out of whatever problems they're having. Oh, I love that. Um, OK, so we are like I there's a lot to cover today um, and we are going to get a little bit into this brain chemistry thing and how you can use it to your advantage. So do you want to just like dive in right there and start talking about how um, you use brain chemistry to get people kind of like interested and addicted to what you're doing and saying? So um, I actually learned the I am happy thing from a client who would always say that. And I, and I just decided I'm going to use that. And my goodness, it works so, so well, whether you're talking to a cashier or whether you're talking to a potential client, it just immediately opens people up because they feel connected to you. And what I've learned, but the best part of writing books is being able to learn cool things from really, really smart people. Um, all of our experts that we write books for are, are just, they're rock stars in their worlds. And I've had the good fortune to write several um, neuroscience books where we're just diving into the chemistry of your brain. And, and I'm sure if you've you know, done any studying about social media or any kind of, um, any kind of online work, you know, dopamine is, is a primary hormone and neurotransmitter in your brain that makes you happy, makes you feel good. It also is a reward center. It's why we want that donut, you know, when we're stressed out because our brain automatically knows it's a guaranteed dopamine hit if we eat that donut or the chi- or the bag of chips or whatever. Um, and so being able to recognize what is happening in someone's brain that they don't even know about and, and not really manipulating it, but being able to just set them at ease makes your life so much easier as a business person, whether you're dealing with an un- unhappy customer or even a happy customer, you know, or, or a client or a potential client or a vendor, anybody that you're working with in a business, if you understand how to put them at ease, give them some dopamine hits, get them almost addicted to the feeling that they're going to get when 
they interact with you means they're going to want to interact with you and nobody else. Yeah. Um, I, this is so, my brain is like going crazy right now, but, um, this is, so I just got finished listening on my walk to a podcast called claim the stage. And it's a speaker that puts on the podcast and she's interviewing Mm -hmm. someone about voice and the power of our voice. And he, uh, they talk about this fantastic quote, which is that as a leader, you need to like kind of put people at ease and and rest them assured with the sound of your voice and then you can lead with strength. And I was like, "Ooh, I I love that." Um it's just kind of like you have to give people a warm hug before they like know and trust you, you know? Yeah, they have to know that they're safe with you. Yeah. Because there's so much un not unsafety, that's not even a word, but there's so much um questionable territory and like what do people want it's like everybody wants something from you especially in business so you have to that you have to just say you know you're safe with me i'm not gonna gonna try and take advantage of you i'm not going to um i'm not trying to sell you anything even if you are trying to sell them something you're actually solving a problem being able to see it from that perspective is is so so good and using your voice like right now I'm smiling from ear to ear and you can probably tell that just because I love talking to Emily she's amazing and Aww. I love talking about neuroscience and I love talking about books and business and so it naturally lights me up and makes me smarter honestly it makes me have a better interview and it makes me write better when I'm in that state of mind of everything's good there's no problems. I'm just having a fantastic conversation with an amazing woman. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be chit chatting. And it lets me take down all those guards and barriers and like, who do I need to, what do I need to say? What do I, what's the smart thing to say? You don't have to worry about any of that. Totally so agreed. Better. Okay. Um, before I forget, <laughs> I have read your, I, I read your bio before you got on, but, um, why don't you tell us sort of how you got into doing what you do? Because you have a very unique, um, perspective, which a, a lot of, you know, people, we have a lot of authors and a lot of writers and a lot of publishers out there, but what you do is very different. Oh, thank you. I, I think it is. Um, so I started out just, I, honestly, I started out being pregnant. <laughs> I was like married and, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I went to a girls boarding school that was still back in the days of you go to college to find a man. And literally that's what I was told. Uh, that didn't and, work and for so me. <laughs> it, it, it's a new one for a lot of people, but that is literally, you know, back in the seventies and even the sixties. I mean, I wasn't in college in the seventies, but I was in high school in the eighties. And because our headmistress was probably a million years old. She lived in that era. And, and like all she cared about was that all of her girls got suitable matches, (laughs) which is ridiculous when you think about it now, but that's the way it was. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was, I was smart and I was, you know, outgoing. And I, I went to college for a really long time just because I was interested in it. But when I got married and and had my first child, I just wanted to stay home. I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to raise my kids. I didn't want anybody else to have to do that. So I was trying to find a way to make money. And I would read these magazine articles and I was like, I can write better than that. I know I can write better than that. I never set out to be a writer, but I, I was one from birth. I mean, I've always written. So it was just a natural thing too. I went from journalism for a few years, then 9-11 hit and I switched over to, uh, to copywriting because the, the magazines didn't want to pay you and businesses did. So I, I learned so much about marketing and 
you know, back in the day it was, it was brochures and white papers. Now it's websites and email copy, all of those kinds of things. Now my clients in 2008 was like, oh, it's another crash. Let's pivot again. So they all wanted books. And I started writing books for my clients and I had so much fun with it. It's so much easier to write a 200 page book than a, you know, 200 character Facebook ad so much easier, but I have this perspective of, I know that you have a goal for this book. We're not writing fiction. We're not writing something that is, um, that's just a book to be written just to tell your story. There's actually a business goal behind it. And so because I have a marketing background and because I have a writing background, I can take your goal and I can reverse engineer it to create a book that's going to have the desired effect. And so I think that's, that's where my unique, unique perspective comes in is that I know this is a marketing piece. I know even if it's a legacy piece for a CEO who's retiring, it still, it's got to have an impact. Yeah. And so the way that we write books are, are designed to have that, you know, addictive quality, to have a journey that the reader is going to go on from A to B, and they're going to be transformed during that book. Not every book, it's so easy to publish them now. And there's a lot of people out there that will tell you, you can write a book in a weekend and you can but it's not going to necessarily have the impact that you want or the result, the results that you want. And I'm sure if you are like me, you have read some terrible books that you can tell that the person wrote it in a weekend. Um, it's, <laughs> you really do <can> tell. <laughs> it's funny that you say that about going from like the white papers and stuff and how it's easier to write a book than a Facebook ad or a Facebook post. Um, I was such a big fan of the five paragraph essay in school. Like that was my jam, you know, like I could break anything down from intro, three paragraphs and conclusion. Um, And, you know, sometimes I find myself trying to do that in a Facebook post. I'm like, you can't. People have like eight seconds Mm -hmm. of attention span, you know. And honestly, that was written for the teacher to have easy grading, yeah. to, be re- to be real. Like it's okay when you, when you're in second grade and you learn that structure, fine. It's great. But they, people never progress beyond that. Even into college, it's like, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you stuff. And then let me tell you what I told you. Nobody cares by that. I mean, they're not going to read past the first paragraph because they, they just don't care because information nowadays is at your fingertips. I can literally talk. I'm not going to say the name, but I can talk into my phone and get any answer that I want. I don't need you to go through these, these structures that are so outdated. I can find the information I want. What I need you to do is connect to my emotions, to connect to my real problem, not the problem I think I have, but the problem I really have, you know, and, and to, to actually bring all the information into a context and a framework that I can remember and that I can implement and that will actually make my life better, which is completely different than, than that five paragraph structure. Oh yeah, totally agree. So let's get into that. Let's get into how a book can be used as a powerful tool for our business and why you think writing a book is a really good investment that a person can make for themselves. So let's start with that first question. How does it help you in your business? Why, why should you write a book? Well, let me ask you this, Emily, what was the very first big kid job that you had to learn? What did you, what was the first thing that was so important you had to do when you were a kid? Do you remember? Yes. So I, when I was 17, I think I got a customer service job at Eastern Mountain Sports and it was lovely. (laughs) What about when you were five? Um, vacuuming or washing the dishes, maybe. (laughs) 
Mm-mm. The first big kid job you had to do was learn how to read. Oh, oh, that was when I was like you three. You had to learn how to read. And that was <laughs> more important than anything else for, for 99% of the people listening to this, if not 100%. Your teachers, your author- any authority figure you had wanted you to read. Your teachers, your parents, your grandparents. Some, some people read to their babies before they're even born, right? So reading is the paramount skill that we learn and that we have to, we have to master it, right? Well, what does that mean? That automatically means that everything that you're reading, those books become the tool for you to attain that skill. Okay. So what that does is it automatically elevates books. This is why authors are authorities. That's where the word comes from, authority. That's the reason authors are considered experts. That's the reason you can line people up two miles long who are all experts in the same field. And if one of them wrote a book and nobody else did, they're going to be the most successful because it's perceived that they have the answers. Think about in school, all the answers were in the book, right? Yeah. Right. So that's the reason why people go, oh, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to write a book so that I can have a business card. And so I will be the perceived expert. And it's like, yes, that's exactly it. But here's why it's because from birth and sometimes from before birth, it has been ingrained in us. We have been socially conditioned to respect books, whether or not we like to read, whether or not we do anything beyond reading the cover, we will still trust that person more than we will trust somebody who has not written a book. Oh my gosh, this went way deeper than I thought. (laughs) Um, Side note, there is nothing better than being in a bookstore and like seeing book covers in in person Mm -hmm. and touching them. And like, I love to see the creativity that people put even into the titles and the book covers. And you're right, right, it does like my opinion of someone changes based on that experience alone. Exactly. So if your goal is to be a speaker, you said you were listening to a speaking podcast earlier. If you don't have a book, you're not, you are going to be passed over for someone who does. That's just a fact of the speaking world. And it's, it baffles me that some people will push back about against that because they're like, well, but nobody reads anymore. Like, yeah, they do. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) They do. Even if they only read your cover, even if they only read the words that you are the author of, and then whatever title it is, they're reading and they're forming an opinion. They're judging you based on that fact alone. Whether they read the book or not does not even matter. Hopefully they do. And hopefully you've written an amazing book that actually helps them and changes their lives and makes them want to work with you. But people are going to read, whether they read the front cover, the back cover, the entire book, everything on your website, everything in your email newsletter, all the things that you want them to consume could start with that book cover. Okay. Now here's the million dollar question. Um, Let's say you want to write a book and you are an expert and, and you have a couple of different things going on or maybe a bunch of different things going on. What do you do when you have so many ideas? So, okay. So there's a, there's a number of different things you can do. Number one, you can hire a ghostwriter. That's the easy, the easy solution. It's like, you're going to spend a lot of time or you're going to spend a lot of money. And even if you do spend a lot of money, you're still going to spend a fair amount of time because it's your book. It's your content. A ghostwriter cannot make it up for you without it sounding fake, false, or you being unhappy with it. So a ghostwriter is, is absolutely one way that you can do it. I did that for many, many, many years. And now I have a publishing company and we, we take people on and I have writers that I've trained. So there's, that's absolutely one route that you can go. 
It's not the only route. A lot of people really want to write their own books. They're desperate to write their own books. They, they know they have it in them. They're good writers. You know, they, they just need some help because what happens is it's overwhelming. They've been conditioned since birth that authors are amazing and special and books are, you know, the, the solution to everything. So they build it up in their heads like it's this big, crazy project or they go the opposite direction and they say, oh, well, it's just like writing an essay in, in high school. That was so easy. I'm just going to you know, speak something into a, a microphone, get it transcribed and publish it on Amazon and badoom, I have a book. You know, and you go the extra step and you manipulate the algorithm and you have a bestseller. Big whoop. Is it actually helping anybody? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so if you, if you really just have so many ideas in your head, you have a lot of um, conflicting information or you have just, you just, here's the thing, you know too much. You know so much as an expert, you cannot possibly put it into one book. The reason that most people get stuck and never get their books out of their heads is because they think, and I call it from the inside out, they think inside, what do I want to write about? What am I an expert in? What what should I put on these pages? And the, the problem is you know too much. You have too much information. You get a log jam in your brain. A writer's blog is actually just a log jam of information. And the way that you release that is you stop going inside and you go outside. You think, who is my audience? Right. And what do they need to know to solve a specific problem or get a specific result? Which means you may only use a fraction of your knowledge and your expertise, but you've actually helped them with a problem. So you go outside in, you think, who is my audience and what do they need to know? And when you start using, there's a method that I have, and I can't even begin to explain it here, but it's in the book that <laughs> there's a, there's a free book that you guys can all grab um, afterwards that, that will explain it all. But there's a method that I use to actually create a special kind of an outline that allows you to go through. And even if you only have 10 minutes a day, you can make progress on your book. And if you have more than 10 minutes a day, you can make a lot of progress on your book. But it all starts in, in going at the very beginning and thinking from the outside in, figuring out what I call audience purpose and goal. So, so yeah, I was going to say, how long uh, do you think that someone should realistically expect it to take them to write a book? Um, if you use my method, the average is three months Wow, to really get it to really get, and that's with, you know, not ignoring your family. If you've ever read an acknowledgements, I read acknowledgements all the time and they always start with, Oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't get divorced you know, because they ignore their family. They ignore their businesses or they have, they just have so much going on that they, they can't. So three months gives you time, gives you enough space to actually think through and work the process. Now, does it have to take that long? No, I've had people work my process and go through it in 22 days. I've had people do it in six weeks. I've had people take, you know, a year. It just really depends on how much time you have available and how closely you trust this particular process and this particular system. Most people find once they go through the early pieces of it, as it's laid out in the book, uh, in my book, then they're like, oh, this, I got this. This is so simple. And they, and they are off to the races. The problem is there's what I call five author freakouts. <laughs> those first, those first three freakouts are places where you will get stuck every single time. And I still get stuck every single time, whether it's my book or somebody else's book that I'm writing, because our, our natural inclination is not to finish a book. Our natural inclination is to stay safe, to stay not published, <laughs> to remain where we are because our, our, 
survival instinct basically says, well, we're safe now. Why would we want to write a book when somebody could criticize us or throw us out of the tribe? Yeah. So you're saying those five author freakouts are like throughout the process. Yeah. There's those, so the, there's the first three are before you, um, before are through the first draft. And then the, the fourth one happens when you have to actually let go and let an editor handle it. And, and, you know, you're in the publishing process and that's really nerve wracking. People just don't want to let go of control because, oh, I could add something else. Oh, I could switch this around. Oh, I should have, I should start over and write a whole nother book. There's a, there's a whole number of, of things that happen at that particular roadblock. And then the fifth one happens right before you release it to the world. And somebody could criticize it. Somebody you get a bad review. People might hate it. You know, all those things run through your head. And I, I don't care if you're Oprah like they're still running through your head yeah, for- because books are so built up as an important thing. So it's a double-edged sword. Like it's going to raise your, your status and your perceived value as an expert. It's also going to be nerve wracking and you're going to have doubts if, unless you're a sociopath, you're going to have doubts. So you just have to push through those and, and there's ways that we push through them. Um. Okay. So what steps do you think that someone, wh- where can someone like begin when they say, all right, I'm going to do this. Now is my time and I'm going to write this book. And I want to also kind of address when you when you answer that, what it looks like for somebody that is really busy. Like, is it even possible for somebody that is a busy leader or business woman to write a book at the same time? Yes, it is. You need to decide that you're going to do it. You also really need a guide. You need someone who's done it before and who can bring you through the hard parts because there's going to be, if you're all by yourself and you're following instructions or you're just writing it off, off the top of your head, you can do it that way. But when you, every single one of these freakouts happens at a certain time and I can tell when I'm talking to someone exactly where they are in the process and what they need to be pulled forward, how they need to get out of it, why they're second guessing themselves you absolutely can write your own book, but doing it by yourself, meaning you have no guide, you have no mentor, you have no coach. There's plenty of you know, book coaches, all these, even, even an online program where you're getting occasional coaching is, can help. But doing it all by yourself, you, you know too much about your topic and you know nothing about writing books. And that is a deadly combination. Ooh, that's really good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's good advice, honestly, for almost any business endeavor that you're going to do, like that is outside of your scope of work. Because when we do try to do things on our own, like, yeah, sure, we can hack it a lot of times, but it's so helpful to have the support around you and somebody that has just been there and already paved the way for you so you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Right. Every, every single fear. I just actually, this is another cool thing. It's I'm doing a manuscript review right now for someone who's, who's writing a neuroscience book on sales. And they pointed some research that I'd never seen before that said every single fear boils down to the fear of the unknown. Yeah. And in your brain, you're going to retreat away from anything that is unknown and you're going to stay safe in the area that is known. And you know your expertise. So you can write for the next 15 years about your area of expertise, but you may never have a book because you don't know the process. You don't know what has to happen to create the book. You're worried about finding a publisher. Do we even need to find a publisher? I've heard that self-publishing is good, but then somebody else said that that self-publishing was terrible. And, you know, like all of these unknowns 
will keep you in that little hole of writing forever. And then just deciding I'm not good enough to write a book. My content isn't good enough. I don't have time is a huge excuse that people use. Yeah, sure. You're busy, but you can make time for anything that you want to. My daughter says you have the same amount of time as Beyonce. Like, there's just, I don't know where she got that term. It's probably something that's on the internet somewhere, but it's like, you have the same amount of time. It's okay. But you have to know that it's, it's not scary to go into the unknown. You need a guide. I love that. Um, okay. So I want to know, why do you think it is that so many people start a book and do not finish it from your perspective? The five author freakouts. Oh, sorry. I mean, reading one. I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry. No, I mean, a reader. Oh, a reader. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'd love okay. to hear this from your side. Because it's boring. Yep. Because it's an info dump. I'm having this problem right now with one of my authors that I'm, I'm reviewing the manuscript. It's an, it's, it might be the smartest piece of research ever, but nobody can get through it because it's all about how smart you are. So authors love to be like, look at my stuff. This is awesome. I'm so smart. And, and it's great. And because they're inside, what do I want to share? And it might be life-changing stuff, but if it doesn't connect with the reader by going outside in, they're not going to read it. They might get, I, I actually had a book. It was a finance book. I don't remember the title, but I wanted to this information so badly. It was such good information, but I could not get through the walls and walls and walls of text. We can't read walls of text anymore. Right. We're not conditioned to it. We, you know, some of us, it's, it like gives us PTSD of college reading, you know, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I have it was so much work. I can't do this. Do you have to, you don't, it's not just about um, putting your expertise out there, but it's a, about creating frameworks that they can remember and that are non-threatening. It's about creating readability on the page, which means short sentences, short paragraphs, short chapters, or if they're long chapters, at least, you know, break them up into, you know, the right flow that is going to keep the reader moving forward. There's a skill to writing a book that people will actually read all the way through. And you can, you can do it on your first time out if you have somebody showing you how to do it, but it's just so deadly to, to just, you know, verbally vomit out all of the things that, you know, because nobody cares about that. They can find that anywhere Right. about the context that you're bringing it to and the framework that you're putting it in and the expertise that you have based on your own experience and the stories that you're telling from your own lives or from your own lives, your own life <laughs> or the lives of your clients um, and customers. There, there's more meaning behind the words. The information itself is easy to find. I don't care who you are, or what you're talking about. I can find the information. It's the, it's the meaning behind the information and how you connect to the reader that keeps them reading through the entire book. And, and even if, so one of the things that we do that's different is our, again, our goal is marketing, right? We want to bring people from a book to the website to sign up for a mailing list, to eventually buy a product, whatever it is that your goal is. Um, and so we make sure that throughout the book, starting from the very first page, there are reasons for you to do that, even if you don't finish the book. Right. There are reasons for you like, oh, go get this interview or go get this, um, this video role-playing thing that we have, or maybe we have an assessment or a piece of software or something. All of those things, we want, it to, we want the book to be the center of your business ecosystem 
so that people have reasons to to enter the rest of your business, not just read the book, put it down and, and be like, oh, that was nice. I do that when I'm reading a book. And I also love when authors do it like, oh, go okay, go take this quiz. You know, I put a little bookmark mm-hmm. in it. And the next day I go take the little quiz and print out the <laughs> handout. So I, I mean, I'm a sucker for it. And I, I totally see what you're saying. Um, all right. So, you know, what you said at the beginning about getting the opportunity to expose yourself when you are a ghostwriter to all kinds of different expert areas of expertise, I totally get that in just content writing and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I also get it through podcasting. It's like I get to see all these little glimmers of every industry and get some behind the scenes intel in them, which is super fun and fascinating. I want to know what books that you feel you've learned the most from, maybe through your work or maybe just books that you've enjoyed reading. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you have a year? Um, let me think. So the so books that I have have learned the most from and have impacted me most that I've worked on um, would be all of Russell Brunson's books, uh, expertsecrets.com secrets. I, I wrote those. I ghost wrote those for him. Um, and he you know, he tells everybody that, so I'm allowed to say it. Okay. Um, there's, there's also, um, the code red revolution is an amazing weight loss book that actually helped me lose almost hundred pounds while I was writing it. Like it, it was amazing. There's, um, the alcohol experiment with Annie Grace is another one. That one was traditionally published, but, um, but we worked on, on the manuscript and that's an amazing piece of work. I just learned so much that the neuroscience especially is, is what I'm super interested in. We've written another book um, or worked on another book called brain centered design, which is all about how we learn and how you can teach for deep understanding based on the brain, not based on how, you know, they invented education back in the 19th century. So many books, but also I, you know, I, I will, right now I'm reading um, the sound of a snail eating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing book. And it's just calm. You know, it's, it's, it's about like shutting out the noise and, and just this, this woman who is bedridden and she's watching the snail in a, in a plant that she was given. And it's, it's a lovely journey. And it's just when there's so much reading that I do, that is, um, hardcore sales and marketing and business and, you know, all of this stuff, it's just nice to have like something that's pleasant and, and not that that's not pleasant, but it's, it's, Oh no. It's broken. Yeah. And, and this particular book is just, I need a break from all that stuff. Like the last two I read were Juliet takes a breath and, um, uh, city of girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is just so nice. Like I'm not taking it's notes. So nice. I can just enjoy their life destructing before them. It's so lovely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the next one I'm reading is I'm gonna, I, I pulled out as I was moving. So I was packing all of my books and I was like, I pulled out the Tao of Pooh, which is one of my favorite books. That's just Oh, I want to hear Winnie the Pooh spouting about Taoism. This is fantastic. Oh, I'm writing that down. It's, it's a wonderful book. It's It's been around for ages. Um, and it's short and it's sweet. And it's just, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to run around all the time with a, like a chicken with my head cut off. I can actually just be myself. This is great. Um, I'm reading the book Indistractable right now. And uh-huh. it, I actually want to bring something back that we had talked about before, talking about being comfortable and being in a safe place. So along those lines, he talks about how boredom is like so people want to avoid the feeling of boredom so much that they would do something 
that causes them like they would do something that they would pay to avoid previously in order to avoid being bored. So for example, they put these subjects into a room with like a shocker. And before going into the room, they ask all the test subjects, would you, you know, would you shock, would you pay to avoid being shocked? And people are like, yes, I would pay to avoid being shocked. They put, <laughs> yeah, this is great. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> they put them, they put them in the room with the shocker and leave them there for half an hour. And people are shocking themselves by the end of the time because they are bored. So bored. I find it so fascinating. It just goes back to that comfort zone. Like we will do anything to stay in our comfort zone and I think even the neuroscience that it takes to notice that and work through that when it comes to something that you might be scared of or challenged by like writing a book or starting a business is super important to realize like you can out trick that you don't need to zap yourself you know (laughs) right right and I mean it's I I'm not typical in in the fact that I I can I can can endure a lot of chaos and I can endure a lot of unknown. Um, but a lot of people can't, but that boredom factor is what it basically is, is you're not, you've got nothing going on in your brain neurotransmitter wise. So you want dopamine. You were so conditioned at this point with social media, with scrolling and just the act of scrolling social media aside, you scroll through Netflix before you try to decide, right? How many hours you spent scrolling, trying to decide what movie to watch? It's ridiculous. And, and just that because, because dopamine is a reward based chemical. So you get rewarded when you hit a funny meme on Facebook, you get rewarded when you find that perfect, um, that perfect movie that you're going to watch. But the problem is, is it's, it's tied to the hunt. It's tied to figuring out a puzzle. So the hunt is almost as, as rewarding because you're anticipating the dopamine hit. And like, what if something better comes along? What if something better comes along? This is an, one of the reasons author freakout number four happens where you don't want to turn your manuscript over to an editor because you're like, but what if I could make it better? Right. What if not good enough? Not that it's not good enough, but what if I could, what if I could add a little bit more? What if I could, you know, use a different story here and you can, you can be in this loop of scrolling through Netflix forever and never get it done. And so, yeah, you're right. The, the, the boredom and the, just the lack of anything happening is stressful. And is it, the question is, is it more stressful to do the thing, to get zapped, or is it more stressful to sit with nothing going on? And this is, this has been way, way back. There was a, in copywriting, one of the, the big famous people, I don't know who it was, but like back in the, you know, 1950s, there's a bunch of people who wrote copywriting books. I'm not sure if it was Gene Schwartz or somebody. Anyway, they said the, that people will do anything to feel something, to Mm. feel something different, whether it's fear or joy or whatever, they will pay any amount of money to have their emotional state changed. This is why horror movies are so, were so addicting and, and are still so popular is because there's a shock, there's a surprise where you get adrenaline, you get dopamine when you figure out the puzzle and who's who's the bad guy. You know, you get you 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 get. Um, I think it's oxytocin or serotonin. One of those two happens when you know who the killer is, but nobody else does, and so you feel like you're part of the in crowd. It's there's just all of these chemical reactions happening in your body 
during something that's you're watching that's really pretty horrible. It know? also makes sense why a lot of us are like zapped, you know, after we get off mm-hmm. social media or after we wa- watch something. Like I don't enjoy those kind of experiences. I like my levels to stay very calm and normal. And when they don't, I'm like, ah, red alert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So, oh, and by the way, if you are an, scrolling Netflix and you can't figure out what to watch, switch over to Hulu and start watching Married at First Sight. And I promise you, you will not regret the decision. (laughs) That is a social experiment I am highly enjoying right now. It's like all these um, couples that they just kind of like stick into a marriage and very fun. Wow. Yeah. Very fun. And they probably last longer than some marriages do in the real world. Some of them <laughs> that end up working, I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but more power to you guys. Um, <laughs> all right. So I know you have a little freebie for the listeners, and I I would love for you to share that and also how people can find you and connect with you and your work online. Absolutely. So um, my book that I wrote about book writing is called The Profitable Business Author. And you can just, you can just Google the profitable, profitable business author. This is a little side note on titles. If you can't say it out loud quickly in a podcast interview, it's probably the wrong title, but I didn't think about that when I I wrote it. Um, You can either Google it or just go to thanethousebooks.com slash free book. And that is where you can find uh, find that particular book. It's the digital version. You can find the the print version on Amazon if you prefer to to get print versions. But um, I like to be able to give it away uh, for people in digital format. And they can find me if you just Google Julianne Eason or go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the best place to find me. It's where I like to be these days. Um, I, I am on Facebook. I am other places. If you email me through my website, you'll you'll absolutely reach me, not anybody else. Um, I'm always happy to answer book questions. Awesome. And I like LinkedIn too. It's fun. It's it's a different scene, you know? It is. Less, it is. less dopamine-y. dopamine-y. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Julie, and being really open and sharing so much information and, and knowledge with you and I with us. And I know you have so much more. Um, so we kind of just like tapped the surface, but I really, really appreciate you being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Emily. Thanks so much for having me on. So I hope you enjoyed this interview and um, Julie and did put together a gift for us. So if you want in on the profitable business author, you can get it for free at the link that I'm going to put in the show notes. It's thanathousebooks.com backslash free book. And all of the links to connect with Julianne will also be in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for listening. I truly do appreciate you and I hope you have a really fantastic holiday. Can't wait to hear all about it. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.